When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Welcome to Oh My Dollar, a personal finance show with a dash of glitter. Dealing with money can be scary and stressful. Here we give practical, friendly advice about money that helps you tackle the financial overwhelm. Here's your host, Lillian Kerbig. And that was your other host, Will Romy. Let's talk about money. So we're going to do rapid fire questions today. We've kind of got a backlog <laughs> piling up. Uh, I asked folks for questions and only being a 15 minute show, we actually can't answer all of them. So we're going to try to answer these as quickly as mm-hmm. we can. Lillian will answer in rhyming couplets. No, <laughs> no rhyming couplets. But I want to make sure you got all your questions answered. The month coming up is going to be healthcare month, and we're going to talk a lot about healthcare. This is your reminder that if you are getting your healthcare from the exchange, from healthcare.gov or the exchange in your state, December 15th is your deadline to either change your plan or sign up for a new one. So if you want to get health insurance in 2018, and you aren't getting it through your employer or your parents, then you should definitely make sure you go to healthcare.gov or your state's exchange and sign up. Um, there, It might be possible that even if you're on a plan this year, the same plan doesn't exist next year. So it's worth just logging in and checking out the options. Mm-hmm. I need to do this. <laughs> I <laughs> will do this before the next show. <laughs> Me too. We're, we're, you're going to hear some more about my individual uh, problems on the upcoming episodes. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, there are a lot of situations in which you might want to do some extra research. Mm-hmm. Well... Should we get into the questions? Let's yeah. get into uh-huh. the questions. So we'll start with Alice, alphabetically. Alice asks, I quit my job and have a teeny 401k sitting around. I'm unemployed, busting my butt to fulfill prerequisites for grad school next fall, and I'm trying to decide if I should cash it out in January to keep from racking up more credit card debt on the prerequisite classes. Or should I put my savings in a Roth IRA as I don't expect to have any tax liability for 2018? Or am I just worrying too much about five grand? Um... I mean, first, the first part is you might be worrying too much about five grand. I generally never, never advise taking money out of your 401k to pay for almost anything because you get slammed like crazy if you take that money out of your 401k and then you use it for anything other than rolling it into a different retirement plan Mm. if you are not retirement age. Um, There are a couple ways you can get around that. One way would be to um, roll it into a Roth IRA. And then you can pull out money for a Roth IRA for educational expenses. That's qualified. Oh, okay. So you will have to pay your um, you will have to pay this year's tax rate, whatever your tax rate is this year. Generally, your marginal tax rate. So you were working earlier this year, so you probably have a tax rate. Um, and you will have to pay the tax rate on that in order to roll over that Roth IRA. 
The other thing to know is that you have to have earned income in the year at which you roll something over into a Roth IRA. You can't put money in a Roth IRA if you don't have earned income. So you got to do it this year is what you're saying. You would have to do it this year. Hmm. Um, but I don't necessarily recommend pulling money out of your 401k generally. I think pulling money out of a Roth IRA in order to avoid credit card debt, it can be very smart. Um, but if I was in your situation, I would try to avoid both things. I would I would see, I know you're busting your butt doing these prereq classes, but you know, 5,000 is... Um, can feel like a really big sum of money, but it's um, it's not that hard to find a way to make that money in a seasonal job or, um, you know, working part time. If you're in any way capable of doing some side work to avoid credit card debt for those prereq classes and um, on top of your school load, I would really recommend that if it's possible. Um, I really don't want you to have to pay the massive. You have to pay not only a ta- your tax fee, but also a um, early withdrawal penalty if you use that 401k money. Um, generally, yes, though, if you have a low tax liability, as long as you have some earned income, you should definitely roll it over into a Roth IRA. The Roth is super flexible, and then that money is going to go tax-free. Um, we've talked in the past about why I love Roth IRAs. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you are not going to have any earned income next year, all you need is all you need is a dollar. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you, if you're not going to have any earned income next year, you will not be able to roll it over starting next year. So it's seeming like your advice is definitely a Roth IRA, and then from there, there's maybe some options. Uh, yes. Huh. if it It's quite possible that if you have an old 401k sitting around at your old job, um, you can wait on this. <laughs> uh, like That's quite often, but they will often start charging you maintenance fees. Um, you can also always roll it into a traditional IRA without having to pay any of those taxes on it. So um, you can take your old 401k from your job if it's traditional, meaning that it came out before you paid taxes, pre-tax money. We've talked about this before. Mm -hmm. You can take that money and then roll it even into a traditional IRA. No extra fees, nothing like that. But it doesn't have the flexibility of the Roth IRA. So if you did want to pull it out for educational expenses next year, you would not be able to do that out of a traditional IRA. Cool. That makes sense. Does that make sense? I mean, is it clear as mud? <laughs> it's clear as mud. There was some opportunities for couplets with IRA and 401k, but we'll uh, let it slide. It's because acronyms always end up rhyming in the end, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, the thing is, Alice, if there's any way that you can avoid pulling out credit card debt for those prerequisites, get get creative. Try to figure it out. If it's just simply not possible, then yes. But first, you need to roll it into a Roth IRA ahead of pulling it out for educational expenses. Otherwise, you're going to pay whopping, whopping amount of money and you're going to lose almost 50% of what you have in there. Wow. To fees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's an interesting one. Our next question, moving alphabetically, is from Charlotte. And Charlotte asks, if I have a credit card in my name only, can I use me and my husband's combined income in that information? Or should it be solely my info? If not, do you think it's a good idea to add him as an authorized user on credit cards that are in my name only so we can use the combined income? Um, Legally, you are entitled, Charlotte, to use your spouse's income at all times to count towards your income for credit applications. That is actually one of the benefits of legal marriage. Oh. Um, So that is important to know. If you are legally married to a spouse, you are always able to count that spouse's income. Um, so you can, you can use your combined income. Um, so that's very Which important. Which would give you better credit if you had more income in it some situations. It won't give you better credit. Remember we talked about credit scores. Um, it won't give you a better credit score because your income doesn't show up on your credit score, but it may, it, this is the, I think Charlotte's referring to the sneaky trick that I talked about to increase your available credit without asking for new credit, which is you go in and update your income. 
So mm. if you if your income, no matter if it's just yourself or or your um, spouse on the card as well, your income is always a thing that you can fill in in your profile for your credit cards and. If you got your card a bunch of years ago when you were a student and maybe your income was quite low, what you can do is you can go in and update your income to whatever your new income is. Hopefully it's a little higher than when you were a student mm -hmm. <laughs> and update it. And quite often, if you've been a good customer and paid on time every time, they will give you a higher credit limit without a ding to your credit for asking for new credit. You're just giving them new information. They can do oh, with it see, yeah. what they will. Telling them you were married and how much your, your spouse is making. Exactly. Huh. The other reason to add someone as an authorized user, the thing to know about adding someone as an authorized user, um, you don't need to do that in order to count your spouse's income. So that's the first thing. But to add someone as an authorized user, they, if you have a better credit score than them, they will get the boost from that credit history on your credit card. So if you've had a card for a long time uh. and your spouse, like, you know, has poor credit or something like that or doesn't have a long credit history, they're actually going to inherit the good parts of your um, of your credit Interesting. score. Interesting. So it benefits your spouse. It benefits huh. your spouse. It can also hurt you. So right, if, they have if, if you have an authorized, credit. if you have them as an authorized user and they have, they technically have access to that credit line, you can add someone as an authorized user and then cut up the card and never give it to them so they can never charge anything <laughs> on it. But you are legally responsible for whatever they charge on that card and they will get a card in your name. Right. So if you trust your spouse. If you trust, your spouse, you trust your spouse, I hope you do. But some some people, I know some very happy marriages where they've figured out that their finances should be separate because of their different money styles. And that is how they stay in a happy marriage. <laughs> so, But yes, you can always use a combined income. That is actually one of the things that happened with the Fair Credit Reporting Act. It was one of the nice little feminist things that we did about hmm. it is that women can use their spouse's oh. income. That's what it was initially intended for. But obviously now... Uh, right, because someone at that point, a lot of women at that point probably didn't have extensive credit history. Yeah, huh. uh, well, women didn't have credit history at all because oh, they, they weren't allowed to be extended credit. Well, yeah, that would do it. <laughs> huh, that's interesting. Yeah, so that's an important thing to know. Cool. Well, that's a good question um, and a good answer. All right, well, moving on alphabetically, we're going to come to Dan. <laughs> these, are, these are all very early in the alphabet names. Uh, <laughs> Dan asks, as an immigrant with a little bit of money in my home country, what's the best way to bring it to the U.S. without being slapped with monster processing fees and dumpster exchange rates? Is there some sort of forum where I can negotiate and trade it with someone moving the other way? Is that illegal? <laughs> uh, that's a good question, Dan. Um, all of those are good questions. Um, the first the first. I will answer in reverse order. So it is not technically illegal to find someone to trade with. However, technically. <laughs> technically. Um, however, it's hard to find legal ways in which to do it. Um, essentially, the government, both governments, are going to want as much in taxes as possible. Um, your government does not like you running away and not paying taxes in their home country and being a contributing citizen of their home country. Mm -hmm. um, and the U.S. does not like you living here and not paying lots of taxes to bring money here. So um, uh, generally, you are you are you might be able to do something that looks technically legal, but you're still going to owe taxes on it if you do some sort of like, hey, we'll just swap accounts. <laughs> right, uh, right. Yeah. Meet in the park and swap suitcases of cash. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's not to say that there aren't some creative ways that you can do it. Um, unfortunately, exchange rate arbitrage is not one of my specialties, so I don't hmm. have great recommendations on where those places are. Um, what I will say is, as an immigrant, it's important for you to consider, are you ever going to go back to your home country? 
So if you want to move some money around from your home country, I happen to know that Dan is British. And so um, right now his currency is not doing hot back home. Uh, The pound is doing actually abysmal. So it's not an optimal Mm -hmm. time to turn those pounds into U.S. dollars. I would recommend that one, I don't usually recommend playing the market, but exchange rates are one of those things where if you've got a little bit of time and you don't need to get that money out, just wait on it for a little while. Right. It seems pretty easy to swing one way or another if you were a little lucky. Exactly. Um, And then the other way to bring kind of currency in is actually, I almost never recommend this, but PayPal um, exists in every almost every currency mm-hmm. in the world. Yeah, PayPal or Bitcoin are probably pretty straightforward. Um, I wouldn't necessarily do Bitcoin because it's so volatile. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but, oh, that's true. And PayPal would stick with the right. exchange and you're rate. Adding, huh. You're essentially adding a third currency into the pot right. if you do Bitcoin because mm-hmm. it, it functions as a currency. You can actually mm-hmm. do kind of trading behind the scenes using PayPal if you have both a US and a foreign bank account. And their fees are not super high for transfers between yourself oh because paypal is it will let between you between ba- interesting okay it will let you link both both accounts so as long as you have a in your name legal bank account in the us and in your name a legal bank account back in the uk then you should be able to actually do transfers between the two is I, this another situation where you technically maybe should be paying taxes these are both in your name, so technically you shouldn't need to be paying taxes. You would need to if you're transferring it to a third party and trying to do this kind of uh, huh. uh, fancy swap. This is, once again, one of those cases where I am not an international tax person, and I'm very sorry to say that I do not have deep expertise in this area. Uh, the most I know about this is when I was a research assistant for IMF data sets. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, this is one of those areas where it's if you are thinking about transferring large amounts of money over because you're planning to stay in the U.S., uh, you know, you've married someone here, you plan to make a home here, then it is entirely worth having having a conversation with someone who specializes particularly in international tax law and ideally in um, between your two countries. And right. Because you're U.K. and Britain, there's definitely um, folks out there that specialize in that. Uh, it gets harder and harder if you're from smaller and smaller countries. Right, to find a lawyer specifically yeah. versed in those tax codes. Um, so I'm sorry to say that I'm just recommending that you go talk to an expert, but I am not an expert in this. But I do know that PayPal is quite commonly used for folks I know that are dual Canadian U.S. citizens because um, it's relatively easy for them to transfer between their own accounts. Hmm, that's really interesting. I never thought about using PayPal that way. Well, those are all good questions. Keep them coming. Thank you all for your (laughs) questions today. Um, I want to give one final shout out. So if you listen to the show because you are kind of a tax geek or you've become a tax geek because you listen to the show, um, there is a really phenomenal program that is recruiting volunteers right now. Um, It's the actually the largest volunteer program in the country. Um, it's AARP's Tax Aid. And what it is is a program that both you can utilize if you're low income and listening to this, but it is a program that trains volunteers on how to do taxes. It gets them certified as legal volunteer tax preparers and has them prepare taxes for low income folks. And their main goal is to get as many people as possible the earned income tax credit, which is essentially when the government gives you extra money back because you do not make great income. The EITC is amazing. It's one of the um, most socialist kind of programs that we have in our government um, as far as it is actually taking money from the rich and giving it to the poor. (laughs) And it is all done through our taxes. So taxes are a really important part of that social safety net. 
So how would you get involved with the... Um, so if you are interested in doing it, so what it usually is, is you go through a training program. If you already are a tax preparer, you will just need to show that you have a certification. Um, and they'll do a little bit of training on how to work in that environment. And then you'll volunteer for a three to five hour shift weekly during the tax season. Um, so it's particularly great if you're a retired tax preparer or if you're just someone that really wants to get out in the community and help people in a really great, tangible way. They always need people that have fluency in a second language, particularly Spanish and Mandarin. Mm -hmm. um, so those are two really valuable skill sets if you have. So if you like people and you're not afraid of taxes or you're curious about not being afraid of taxes. Or uh, people. <laughs> you should just go to the aarp.org slash money slash taxes and then aarp underscore tax aid. Or you can just Google tax aid with yep. an E on the end. It's a really phenomenal program. It's like 40,000 volunteers all over the country every year. I did it for many years. I find it incredibly valuable. And I just want to give a shout out because all of the local organizations that are running it are in volunteer recruitment season right now. Huh, neat. That's cool. That'd be a good way to learn more about taxes. Too. Yeah. If you're listening to this and you're like, man, I really wish I knew the answer to that international <laughs> taxes question. You t you can soon know that by and, and make the world a little better. Mm. Cool. All right. I think that wraps our show for today, yeah. Will. We, co we covered some good ground. <laughs> <laughs> um, our producer is Will Bromey and our intro music is by Aaron Parecki. I'm Lillian Kerbake, your personal finance educator and host. Thanks for listening, and till next time, remember to manage your money so it doesn't manage you.